Finley, how are you today? Good, Mr. Finley. How are you, sir? I am, uh, I would say, educated, having watched the two films that you assigned to me for, I don't know what we would even call this episode. I mean, in terms of a title, I haven't come up with a snappy title yet, so if you've got one, let me know. But these are essentially a couple of sci-fi films from the 70s. I can see that head percolating over Zoom. Do you have... <laughs> no, that's, that's just on ball, Jim. Uh, oh, so you don't have a title yet. How oh no no no! I was no, thinking no. of uh, you have to you have science to hit. fiction from the seventies. That's it. Boom, go. Finley's in space. Do you remember Pigs in Space from the Muppets? Pigs in space. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. When, when Finley's are in space, that's right. Oh, okay. History of the world. Yep. Um. So anyway, uh, we are what we are talking about in a couple of nineteen seventies sci-fi flicks. Having already sort of spent, by the way, not exactly a sci-fi flick, but adjacent uh, on our early Charlton Heston episode, Soylent Green. That kind of came to mind. I was I was watching one of these films. Right. Um, so we're talking about. I don't know if you want any more prelude, by the way. Let me. Let no, me, I think we're good. Okay, let's so go. so let's just start with 1972's Silent Running. Silent Running. Now, yeah, no, here's the thing. I've never, I've never seen this movie. This is the first time I've seen it. I've heard good things about it. You know, we're talking about science fiction uh, well before, like, you, you, you were there. I was there when uh, Star Wars came out and really changed the whole scope of how science fiction went. Like, it was a yeah. very, like, like um, special effects became like a, like a, like an end unto itself after that. Yeah, uh, and I would before also that they had special effects because perforce you had to, but. Um, they were uh, they were much much more sort of garden variety do it yourself sort of a quality to it, and I think Silent Running is a really sort of a good example of that. By the like way, a couple of models for the spaceship in space and all that kind of stuff, but it was uh, you know it was a it was a rough perform. They didn't have they weren't even close to the concept of CGI, of course. Right. Uh, uh, but but the, but it was a matter of sort of making uh, making like little special effects effects. Uh, and then sort of working with them. And I think, they, I think, so what did you think about this? Movie? Well, I want to start off by saying you and I have done a, a, a better job than we've done in the past because I thought, don't call it cool runnings. Don't call it cool runnings. <laughs> it, it confused people about the Jamaican bobsled movie with John Candy. Uh, uh, so so hats, we'll get to there hats off to the two of us for calling yeah. it Silent Runnings from 1972 right. with Bruce Dern. Um, uh, before, yeah, I, I, um, okay, I liked it a lot. I actually liked mm-hmm. Silent Runnings a lot. One of the things I noticed when I looked into it is it, of, it has three writers. One of them was Michael Chimino of the Deer Hunter and Gore and uh, uh, what's the fucking Clint Eastwood movie? Uh, Lightfoot and Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Um, and so he's in it. And then Stephen Bot- Botchko, who did all the like NYPD Blue. Really, and I didn't see his I, name. I, I oh, really? That's Hill fucking Street interesting. Blues, maybe, okay. but yeah. So it's like they. Ha- I, I think it's it's. Look, we can start with the problems, which is like, yeah, it has like space corduroy, lots of yes. space corduroy suits. Um, yeah. It has. It's a funny thing about like every science fiction. Every science fiction movie is does two things at least during it. Um, uh, is one one it, it it's ultimately talking about what like what's kind of the issue, one of the issues of the day, you know, we're talking silent running is definitely about environmentalism. And this is when environmentalism was sort of having its first heyday. Two years uh, earlier had been the first, first, uh, first uh, earth day. 
Yeah, yeah. So it was really so it was so it's timely in that sense. But yeah. as you pointed out, they also do their best to take like to to uh, you know invest in what would the future version of what we're wearing now look like? Yeah, I mean, as you said, space corduroy. Yeah, I gotta say, actually, they, it, it, uh, putting that that sort of in there. Um, it has something that that science fiction movies sometimes have, and that's like incoherent babble of minor characters. Like mm, that's just poor, a little bit of poor writing on the sidelines, if you will. But one of the mistakes it did it 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 didn't fall into the traps it didn't fall into is uh, spending too much time on the aesthetics of space, trying to invent new wacky things that are space bound. You know all these terrible movies where it's like, look, I put a box in this oven and it comes out as a turkey thirty seconds right. later, and like, who gives a fuck? It, it's really like they're in space. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of it. I mean, they're you know the the scenery of, of them having a, a biodome, I guess, a spatial a space biodome, or several of them yeah. uh, mm-hmm. under which they have the remaining ecosystem of humanity. That's kind of it, and it's it's completely necessary to what they're talking about. Um, the robots, I found uh, at first, I was ready for them to be like, oh my god, because they're just sort of like cornball robots with like, they walk like dogs, basically. I mean, like dogs <laughs> on their hind legs. They walk like what they are, which is little people in tiny in little costumes that you can't see their face. Right, but they gave them actual personalities in the same way that let's say R two D two has a personality. It doesn't try yeah. to make it human, but it tries to sort of like become a a, a silent human foil. To Bruce yeah. Dern, and so I actually find the found the robots kind of touching. Well, I, I, I would say I feel pretty good in saying Lucas probably took a page out, of, to, tore a page out of the book from this movie when he came up with R two D two later on. Yeah, he just put in better sound effects because because you know he invented like he ground up you know for Star Wars they ground up invented a whole new approach to yeah all that stuff and then threw in a gay robot. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one actually. Yeah, I was waiting for them to. It took you know it was really interesting is it was. They weren't well. They weren't used as clumsily as R two D two was, for instance. Who was you know like, but you know essentially like let's get kids to like this movie by having something that makes cute noises, which was a lot of what R two D two was. Yeah, this, these are these these cre- you know these robots actually had sort of something you know had something to do with the actual movie. Well, because and it's resolution because it's not marketing toward anything in particular. It's not marketing toward kids. It's I, I can't imagine it really being marketed toward like a blockbuster. It's more like a thoughtful movie, which is what I like when science fiction or fantasy to me works. I'm sure I've said this at least two other times on on other episodes is when they don't get caught up in it being fantasy or science fiction, but rather yeah. that it's an opportunity to erase the sort of like prejudices and, and biases you have observing the real world. And then while that that slate is sort of cleaned for you, insert an interesting issue like race or conflict, or in this case, the environment or, or ecology yeah. or something like that. When it gets too invested in, um, you know, the, the, the sort of the supercomputer or, the, you know, whatever, it's like, oh, you're distracting from what was actually advantageous about science fiction, which is yeah. to sort of like, which is why I always like Star Trek, the original, which this summer, by the way, I've, I've, I've committed to, to watching like The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine because people I trust recommend it. But what I like about that original corny, corny fucking 60s Star Trek is ultimately they threw in a couple of things, little phasers or this or that, but ultimately it was like, hey, there's no way you could you could put something on planet Earth 
where all the different nations and ethnicities are getting along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so let's right, put it right. in space to, 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 to create the, the suspension of disbelief, and then now we can talk about race or whatever it is. A, a near tabla rasa, if you will. But it is, you're right, it's a blank slate. Is, is tabla what, rasa. Is what, is what is provided by I like This movie was really fucking interesting, I yeah. thought, because it could have been... I like the, the very small cast, like five people tops, not including the no four people, four people, a couple of voices, and then the robots, and that's and, it. It's a very small cast. They could have taken uh, so. It's like to get to my next point, we have to sort of describe what the action. Okay, what, please. What yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Give me so a synopsis. What, what it is is it's in the future. Uh, we have taken our we've taken certain uh, bio uh, bio domes or whatever we, we've created these bio domes. We put them in these arc ships out in the middle of space. Oh, arc ships! That's a and, great way to describe it. Arcs, yeah, great survival. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of, they're kind of arcs. Humanity right? so survival we're doing is preserving like pieces of the environment, sending no. them out in space because apparently, uh, what, and so that's that's the essence of the movie right there in a sense. But but what happens is is that the cast members there's only four people on the ship. One of them's Bruce Dern. He's our star. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the other three people. And what and what, what becomes really clear, I think, and what the other what the other what the other uh, crew members make really clear is that the reason they have to move all these plants off planet is people just don't give a fuck. Right. That's really what's going on back on Earth. People just don't give a shit about the environment. They're all kind of, they're all you know. And that's it. That's just sheer Wait. carelessness left to the like the eco death of the. Well, planet. an important aspect is that is that what it, it, much like everything we witness here on uh, real life is they also start to not give a shit. Yeah, yeah. That's the point, right? It's it's sort of like I mean we're we're facing it right now. We're, we're recording this story, this pandemic, and it's like everyone goes into it uh, like this is an opportunity to, and then like eight weeks later we're like ah. Ah, Netflix, eating bread. It's like the worst of us somehow comes out and it's there too. It's like this was their opportunity to save it and they immediately prefer meals ready to eat over fresh fruit. Right, right. They're the only people, are they're the, maybe the only humans in, in in existence at that point, right? Yeah. That has access to fresh fruit, right. fresh vegetables, and they're just eating like shit, like microwave tater tots. And there's one guy who gets it, and it's our protagonist, Bruce Dern, who really wants to make this work and save it. And it's like, he's also making a humanist appeal, which is like, they're like, well, what about, the, we get as much nutrition with through this? And he's like, yeah, but there's an experience that once we lose, like, opening a cantaloupe and eating it, mm -hmm. You lose that, and it's it's for its own sake. It's like beauty for its own sake, or the action for its own sake. Right, 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 right. And, and treating nature in that sense, you know. Yeah. Overall, well, yeah, no, it's fucking. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, so okay. I'm glad you like this movie. I like this movie too. This, this, it's, it had a really. I thought it had a great message, and like I said, it's just like it's the, you just watch it, and it's just the sheer carelessness with which they're destroying this this other thing. Well, it's, it's also for for a science fiction film, it's remarkably quiet. And I love that that idea, you know, it's like I think good writing, sometimes the good writing is like not how do I connect 50 pieces of action, but how do I how do I make one convincing piece of action happen in a single room? Like how right, do I actually right. condense it? And and it's like, yeah, you can tell that there are actual writers we've heard of at, beyond this movie who did wonderful works, writ, wrote, and directed wonderful works later on because they have that sort of mentality. Like, yeah, let's take it into space and then make it small again. Because this movie yeah. is a lot like Castaway, I would say, with with Tom Hanks. It's like all the the other characters disappear within like half an hour or something, and then you're left with this guy and his robots, if you want to call them characters. 
You know, and it's like, yeah, Bruce Dern, by the way, I, I always love Bruce Dern. He can be a very corny actor, and occasionally he's a little He kind of hands it up in this movie a couple of times. But, but I got to yeah. say, more or less effectively, because, yeah. because like, his ham is, is almost, a, is hamming it up, which he does, yeah. is almost a reflection of the indifference the other crew members have, to a sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he's fighting against, you know. And yeah. So, of course, he's going fucking super dramatic. I got to make a, I got to give a sort of call out to the, uh, to the classic 1970s um, red paint blood. I, I do not know what happened in the 70s, but they cannot make blood after The Godfather for some reason. It's ridiculous. Um, right, right, right. There's also a little bit of like this, too, what I like about it. Is, and I, I was worried that it was actually going to turn out to be a propaganda film against like wacky environmentalists, and it didn't. But but it, they were fair about it, and it's like because of the isolation, because even if you are right, knowing you're the single right person is always a slightly dangerous position. Yeah. Intoxication, let's say. And so they they there are moves where he's a bit of an ass, for sure. And he's a, he's a little too righteous, and it's like, oh, I like that they wrote that into it. That our protagonist has this, you know, you're a little unsure at times. Like, well, maybe he should be stopped. Like, he's a little <laughs> nutty here. Um, yeah, there's, yeah. there's a great sort of um, maybe not to be given away, but let's just say that um, all the way through the first and, and especially the second act, he's willing to make this sacrifice. And in the third act, when it turns out that his sacrifice is kind of being undone, potentially, there's a great sort of moment there that invests the audience again. So it doesn't become this boring, preachy film. It's very, I don't consider this film preachy at all. No, I don't. I consider it, uh, I, 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 it's like, yeah, it's like baby bears amount of preachy, I guess. And it's not yeah, preachy, yeah. but yeah, it's just, it's Fair like, oh, bears. this is our message. It's a very simple message. It's a very simple message. Yeah. Uh, and he gets it across, and 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 they don't they don't yeah it's, I, I don't know I think it's a I think it's a really yeah. effective film it's yeah science I mean, fiction is it a great film no but I'd, I'd give it the old three out of four stars absolutely yeah, yeah I, absolutely. I liked it please go watch this movie and if had he uh, if you're stuck in isolation in isolation just yeah. go watch this fucking movie was Edith, isolation for you yeah was Edith Head um dead by the time the seventies did she die before the seventies because maybe that that explains why the costuming went way down in that decade. Uh, maybe, maybe. I know, I know that they went with the every every time you get into the future, somehow somehow onesies come out. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, before we move on to the second film, just a very quick advertisement. Um, we implore you, beg you, request. At least try. I mean, we have literally dozens of episodes, if you like this podcast, that have been unheard by most of you because they're available to subscribe Patreon subscribers only at the $5 per month level. And I'm talking like literally dozens of films. I'm sorry, dozens of episodes about films that's available to Patreon subscribers for $5 a month. If you go to our website, finlandsonfilm.com, or just type in like Patreon, Finlands on Film, there's a way for you to subscribe for a very small amount of money. You know what? I'm gonna, I don't know if they. I don't think these people deserve it. I think they need to. Don't. They need to have the gumption to go and, and join. Actually, yeah. Don't become do part it. of our exclusive. We don't want you to become Patreon subscribers. Yeah. Yeah. You're the, yeah. Okay. Speaking of me, 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 me. Yeah. Uh, that? that was that was us biting ourselves in the ass. That's right. So um, our second film for the 1970s sci-fi episode is a 19. 76. 76 movie I've heard about my whole life. I, I don't know why I haven't seen it before now. And that's Logan's. I saw. I, saw, I have to say I saw this at a drive-in. Then uh, I of this movie when I was a kid. 
Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that last part. Um, yeah, I was kind of shocked um, when I did finally watch it because I'd heard so. I have heard the title, and that's Logan's Run, which, Logan by the way, Run. also in, in the next year, 77 and 78, was a series. I did not know. Yes, they did. They, I suspect yeah, they to, I, I, I don't know that. I don't remember. I think I might have watched one or two of that series or something like that. But yeah, this was a hugely popular movie at the time. It saved. I, I don't know. It was MGM or Warner's. I, I forget now. But whatever, whatever distribution company, production company, it saved them. They were on the, the verge of bankruptcy, and this this film, this movie that they spent like three million dollars. I don't know how they spent three million dollars on this movie. Um, apparently, grossed like. $30 million that year and just sort of like put them in the, the black or is it the red? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this movie actually, uh, this movie was kind of unique in that. And here's what's interesting. One of the things that's interesting about this movie is that they were trying to push the envelope of uh, special effects really hard in this movie. What? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. But what they were doing was pushing the pre star Wars concept of special effects as hard as they could. Like why, you know, like lots of, lots of crazy camera like work and things like that. And it just, mm, yeah. Not yeah. always very successfully, I would say. So, what's your take on this movie? Uh, my take on this movie. Um, it may be the worst movie I've ever seen. It is. It is so. <laughs> it's so dreadful to watch. Um, Roger okay. Ebert gave it three out of four stars, but just sort of like it's so silly. I, I guess I'll give it. Gene Siskel gave it zero out of four stars. One of like the two or three times in his lifetime he ever did it. Um, I don't know where to start. It's it's such a, a poor movie. Uh, it's almost on the Sonny Chiba level of a bad movie, although that one at least borders on having some entertainment value for, for being so bad, I guess. But this one does not. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a high concept movie. It's science fiction, high concept. You know, it's yeah. like this... You know, it, it classic falls apart hard in the execution. Classic dystopian, areas. classic dystopian. You know, this idea where we don't, we're not going to have old people. Well, it's interesting. It's a utopia by way of dystopia, right? It's everybody. The idea is that they have a, a society that's perfectly like its own sort of like circle. Like it, it's got its own, uh, it's got its own thing. But in order to maintain that balance, supposedly, you know, their mythology is that they have to. Everybody, when when you turn thirty, you have to be uh, reincarnated. In other words, killed. Is really what that comes down to. So everybody over the age of thirty, and our major our major character played by Michael York, uh, Logan is one of these guys. He's a Sandman. Is his job is to take out uh, is to had, take out anybody over thirty who doesn't voluntarily. Take had that only in. been true, Tom, and his powers of sleep had taken me away. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I was able to stay awake for the entire movie. That's one of those. That's one of those things where it's one of those sort of odd conceits of like science fiction movies where they like try to come up with a new word for something like that. Like, is a yeah, he's an assassin, but they don't want to say assassin, so they say he's a Sandman. Yeah, I mean, the, you, the Sandman's job sleep. is to uh, to make sure no one ever reaches the age of thirty. No one tries to run from the society. This, um, sorry, I, I, did I say society? I mean abandoned mall. Uh, <laughs> Where they obviously filmed most of the society. Uh, yeah, I think it was like a mall and/or like a, like a like a junior college campus, like you know, built in the early seventies or something like that. Well, the runner, the so either there's there's like a sort of um, uh, what do you call it? What's uh, fucking what's the game? Like Ender's Game or what? what 
fuck, I can't think of it now. But but uh, you know, the Shirley Jackson fucking dystopia, right? Whatever it is, it's you know, it, and, and in this case, it's like there's some sort of game where where people gather each night and they, they potentially have have um, a chance to sort of like outlet live the thirty year old. Uh, end date that they're given. I don't think it's even that. It's like, yeah, I guess maybe that's what that's what it is supposed to be going for. But it turns you know? out it turns out that that's not real. They're all just being sort of killed and, and put away. But they know that there are people who try to run. They're called runners. And they, they run through. Now, this is true. They run through this uh, sort of industrial tunnel area, which was filmed in the El Segundo sewer system. Oh, okay. That little right. trivia for you there. That was just El Segundo's when you tried. <laughs> Fred Sanford's uh, hometown. <laughs> um, and Take that, uh, El Segundo, you bastard! Hate you. Michael York, the least closeted man ever, uh, <laughs> aside from Peter Ustinov, who shows up later on in the film, are uh, he's a Sandman, and, and so he he's sort of taken with a woman. They also have like. Um, People are different colors. They wear different color outfits depending on how old they get. Uh, is that I, what that is? I can't figure it out. It's, I thought they just had like three, like three, four basic I, I, primary I, I, colors. I don't know. And 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 so he's somehow convinced to go like the the computer system of uh, this dystopia sends him to go find um, sanctuary, which is the place they think people are trying to run to when they escape. Um, and so he, so at first you're not sure if he's, if he's actually trying to escape himself because he's fallen in love with a, a woman who does want to escape, um, or if he's actually trying to sort of like turn her in. I don't know, but it's all forgotten when Roscoe Lee Brown shows up as a tinfoil box. Um, you can see his, his mouth moving underneath the tinfoil. Um, every weapon is just like literally from what's the, what's the, what's the land that, that time forgot. You remember where the, they, they were with a TV show. Remember they were rafting river rafting and they, they end up in lost time, land of lost time or a lot of those shows in the seventies we watched as a kid. Um, the, the special effects are really no more substantial than like a 1930s, like a uh, Buck Rogers where it's like, you, you know, shoot a gun I and think the they, thing they just tried disappears. really, really hard. They did like a miniature city with a, with a which you, which by the way, you can, you, it looks fucking exactly like what it was. You can see the studio lights in the reflection of the, the, uh, miniature city. At one point, Michael York and this girl jump off a 50 foot cliff. But as soon as they actually start jumping off, you can see that it's eight feet. I mean, it's just insanely. Every aspect of it is bad. The, the acting is bad. The storyline, once you get past the conceit, is poor. The special you know, effects are what, awful. What I, what I think is the storyline actually had some moments that you could have saved. You know what I'm saying? Like it would have been an interesting moment yeah. to see when Michael York actually made any kind of a decision as to what he was actually doing, and it got conveyed to us instead of him just having flipped at some point without us knowing when. Well, classically, also with poor science fiction, it's like um, I mean, it just starts off this way. Isn't it interesting that we're in this land? Yes, it has been interesting since these rules were set down seven years ago. But I forgot about this rule. Have you? Let me repeat it for you. It's just like exposition, exposition, mm. exposition. And it proves to me, by the way, that 1976 audiences were as stupid as the modern ones. <laughs> I really, I, I really fall into the trap of attributing like the success of like the Avengers series to like I guess we've just gone retarded. And it's like no, we've been retarded for years and years right. and years. And here's People proof. People have been making this movie forever, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it truly. And I actually, I'm someone who likes Michael York. 
I, too, I always Julia. liked him as an actor. He's terrible in this. Peter Ustinov, like I, he's not someone you can ever respect, but you can just sort of laugh at him if not with him usually. Mm-hmm. Um, but he even is like he's he's there's nothing funny about. There's no Peter Ustinov chuckle here. He's just an old man who's just sort of like he he's he he dips into like verse. He speaks in verse half the time. You know, specifically from uh, from uh, what's his name's fucking book of magical kitty cats. Uh, Michael York. What, no, uh, fucking, uh, ah, no, no poet, T.S. Eliot, uh, fucking, oh, uh, yes, he poet. does, no, you're right, you're right, you're right, he does, yeah, he dips into that, and there's all these, I mean, there's just, I, I don't, I never understand why they continued with this, and I, I guess the answer is that they, they got themselves out of, out of Hawk, but I mean, there is no art here, I was trying to think about that, I was thinking about telling you, you know, you ever picture yourself ahead of time being on the episode and what you're going to say? And what the reaction might be. I mean, well, do it. And I was thinking, like, when I tell you there's no art to this, you might be kind of cynical, justifiably cynical, like, well, art smart. But then I think it's like, hey, the Farrelly brothers, as, as far as I'm concerned, can be considered art. Something about Mary is art because there's like something interesting going on. There's zero interesting going on in this movie. It's it's truly painful but to try to watch it's it. so funny that like it sets up some interesting concepts and yeah. then it just sort of knocks them down yeah. right so they're living in this so i guess like ultimately you could say it's like some kind of a reaction or a commentary on a strictly a youth culture because what comes across very much so is that the the essence of their culture is hedonism and that's all they yeah. really have going that's right for, yeah yeah right? so that's that's a commentary on youth culture and so they bring in peter yushinoff at the end and he's the first old person they've ever seen yeah. and then you're immediately the way he's acting you're like oh fuck yeah we should kill ourselves Oh, a hundred percent. That looks terrible. Yeah, yeah. It's also a na- it's it's kind of a an allegory for nationalism, I guess, in a way too. But it never really drives that home in any way that's that that's meaningful. Mm, um, yeah. And and even the solution bringing when they go back, it's like okay, there's finally some sort of like urgency or tension. Like look, they're going to go back and sort of prove that this can happen. That happens so quickly. And then Michael York just says, live, people, live, and points to Peter Yusnoff, and people gather around him and start tugging on his beard. It makes no sense to me. And I, if nothing else, <laughs> just the uh, just box, the uh, the metal man in the middle of the Roscoe movie. Lee Brown is box. <laughs> Takes the whole fucking thing, man. God, it's oh, so my God. It's awful. Uh, the, I, I remember it being so fucking cool when I saw it as a kid. But God, I got, the questioning brain of a seven-year-old you know, in, the, in the mid-70s, I guess. It can be I'm, done, I'm, by the I'm way. I'm going to cough it up and say it's that. Uh, fucking look at uh, um, in the, a mere 12 years later or something. Look at Total Recall. Or maybe 14 years later. But I mean, Total Recall, by the way, you can make fun of it, but it's like, it's, I think it's interesting. It's fun. I mean, you know, is it high? It has a point of view and it carries that point. It's not high art, but it's like, yeah, I mean, they're doing, they're sort of playing with those ideas and yeah, coherent. Sorry, you, I should have let you emphasize that. There's some coherency there. Um, Yeah, you just, um, no. No, no, no. I, I would honestly, I would, I would trend toward Gene Siskel and giving it no stars. I just, I can't find almost anything. You, you wouldn't recommend this even for like the UG factor or anything like that. Uh, here's my answer to that, Tommy. That's my new sound effect. Yeah, Joe. All right, fucking <laughs> morning, morning DJ action. Here. Let, me, let me try it again. Waka, waka. A- a- ask me whether I like this movie or not, Tommy. Joe, did you like this movie or not? Now it's not working. <laughs> well, I would like to point out these are hold the morning DJ sound drops you would expect from us here. Uh, that's awful. I, I found a buzzer that I could, I could use on our show, but 
That's oh, my one no, use. No, no, can, we, can, we, <laughs> can we get me going to the Twilight with a shred of fucking dignity, sir? Please. Can we? Let's see. Oh, that's not working. <laughs> Fuck. I suck. Anyway. Only our lack of technical ability has saved our fucking soul here. By the way, the last 30 seconds of this podcast were more interesting than every this, aspect of that movie. I don't this movie as much as you do, but only because I have pleasant memories from a kid. It's not yeah, a good I movie at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, last couple of days ago, we did um, the Alan Alda episode, and isn't it shocking? That was my version of that. Although I have to say this, I would defend "Isn't It Shocking" way, way over this film for sure in terms of integrity Ooh, of a film of know, filmmaking. Buddy. I don't know about that. You don't? Well, let me uh, tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you're shaving your balls, dude. I am. That's the sound effect. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think I just it's. Want to go, I think it's two kind of surprised uh, thumbs up for Silent Running and Silent Running yeah. 1972, Bruce Stern, and then the Michael York, Peter Usenoff, gay sandwich vehicle, um, <laughs> Logan's Run. I think a two PUs, like uh, holding your nose with a pinched uh, forefinger and thumb. Nah, I don't know. I'm going to extend the pinky on that myself. That's fair enough. You're a bigger fan than I. You're more generous than I am. You have a website, Tom? I do. Uh, Smitty, uh, TomSmithComedy.com. Go check it out. All right. And um, we we would like to ask you one more time, consider becoming a Patreon um, uh, supporter at $5 a month. You know, you, before you support, you can go look at the list of films we have available to you um, or episodes about the films. Some of them are interesting as hell. A couple. <laughs> <laughs> I would say 90% of them are silent runnings great and 10% of them fall into the Logan's Run category, but that's true of all of our episodes. Um, and then uh, please give us some feedback on finleysupfilm at gmail.com and if you can rate, review us on iTunes, we'd sure appreciate it. All right, Tommy, I love you, buddy. You're the best. No, Joseph, only, be, only because I reflect the light coming off of you. Oh, let's end it there. <laughs>